You are listening to the Mary Jane Society podcast, where you will meet entrepreneurs, cultivators, scientists, doctors, and inventors in the cannabis industry. We are proud to announce Arvana as today's show sponsor. They're an FDA-registered CBD and rare cannabinoid manufacturer. Arvana boasts an array of industry awards, including certifications in good manufacturing practice, ISO, and HACCP. Their cutting-edge separation technology is often used within the pharmaceutical industry to isolate cannabinoids while preserving terpenes that are typically lost during the extraction process. Arvana is your solution for CBD, cannabis, or supplemental manufacturing needs, or impeccably crafted gummies, tinctures, and creams. Arvana, arvana.com, where quality and innovation converge. And now, on with the show. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, a marketer and publicist in the cannabis industry. Ruben Lindo is known as someone working hard to make sure that everyone gets a fair shake in the cannabis industry. He started down the path of medical school and ended up developing a CBD-based product to help his daughter battle a disease that was causing her hair to fall out. It worked, and that's when he launched Phoenix Nutraceutical. He went on to start a THC brand in Michigan called Blackmar Farms and is eyeing his home state of New York for his next venture. Ruben has so many irons in the fire and his heart's in the right place. Let's meet Ruben. So, but what I would love to um, start with actually is your CBD business, which you, that's where you kind of launched into the business part of it uh, with a Phoenix Nutraceuticals. And the reason I I wanted to ask you about that is because, uh, you know, so many people raced into the CBD business. Uh, I don't, I feel like it's too early. The consumers don't really understand it. I don't even know if the science is really there. And now you see a lot of companies kind of, kind of getting back into the hemp CBD business to, I think, roll out their national, to try to get a national presence as, as, as a stepping stone into the adult use. So, First of all, so many people failed at this. And how are you succeeding at keeping your company alive? Or is it really just a lost leader for you? You No, actually. So that's my passion. Phoenix CBD, Phoenix Nutraceutical started out as a research and development um, concept. Um, when, when I started that company, I was in, um, I was out in Vancouver and I was working for another company and I was thinking like, what can I do to really separate myself as an industry person and where can I go back to my roots of education, research and science? And I started looking at CBD. I started talking to other athletes about CBD. Um, Mm. And it was kind of the perfect storm. My daughter uh, was diagnosed with severe aplastic anemia. And that is a rare blood disorder where your body stops producing red blood cells. She was in full-blown treatment and things started happening to her hair. And I started noticing like her hair was falling out and, you know, my daughter's um, Blasian, black and Asian. Uh, She's Filipino and and black Dominican like me and beautiful hair, beautiful thick hair. And she was a young girl. And I said, you know, I have to take the the bull by the horns here and, and try and figure something out. So I flew from Vancouver uh, to Toronto where my daughter is and I was sitting my daughter and her mother and I said to her mother you know I really want to talk about treating her with cannabinoidiol and she was like what is that and I said CBD so we kind of talked about it she read about it she was always okay with cannabis as as medicine we've talked about that for years we talked about potentially helping my daughter uh, through her 
treatment with uh, medicinal cannabis because it's a really rigorous treatment. Um, again, perfect storm. I went to a hockey game with a guy and he introduced me to a guy and said, oh, he's a, um, he's a cosmetic engineer. And I said, oh, and the whole time we're in this luxury suite watching the hockey game, I wasn't watching. I was talking to this cosmetic engineer guy and picking his brain. And he was like, well, you understand the science and you understand the, the, the makeup. And I said, well, what do you know about CBD? And he started laughing and he said, oh, I just, I'm working on something for NCBL and I'm writing a, a huge paper on uh, CBD and cosmetics. And I said, look, I don't have any money, but I need to create something for my daughter. So I started telling him what was happening. He introduced me to some folks who had a lab in San Diego. You know the rest of the story. I was in the lab. Wow, I, I got goosebumps. <laughs> I turned into a mad scientist and I created um, 101 custom formulations in about nine months. And every time I would stumble across something, it would lead me to something else. So like our CBD, our CBD body butter was actually the beginning of my daughter's shampoo, right? And then I got with the right team and then we made shampoo. Um, my daughter's hair, not only did the CBD help my daughter and help her hair, um, I started looking at compounding um, CBD with other uh, natural ingredients. And then I found Anagam and that is the... Uh, actual the the natural um root of roguing right so like here we go i i found something and i got it in there and you know we created the product and my daughter's hair started growing then i gave the product uh to my wife and who was postpartum at the time who was losing a ton of hair and she, she used it for like a week and or two weeks and one day she yelled and I ran downstairs like thinking, oh no, oh no. Yeah. She said, look, look at my brush. And she showed me her brush. There was no extra hair in her brush. And I knew we hit a home run. And then after that, I just, um, you know, timing wise, I think that if we were a year or two earlier, um, I'd be a billionaire. Um, yeah. But the way things work, uh, that was 2019. We know the rest is history. 2020, the world stops. Yeah, um, yeah. We yeah. start. We continue to make product, and we continue to improve on our packaging. And we really became experts at understanding um, the retail and wholesale mindset. And my assistant uh, Nadine Cavalero's here with me. Um, really became a a student. You know, and uh, she, she runs that side of the company and she she learned everything that there is to know about running a company because during the pandemic, I pivoted and went into PPE like everyone else mm -hmm. had to you know figure out a way. We were very successful there. And then we launched Blackmar Farms and Urban Couture. Mm -hmm. Right. So I said, I'll focus on the. THC plant touching stuff you focus on the CBD stuff but you're right I think a lot of us have gone back to CBD and and I'm really thinking and focusing on some of our CBD products because it allows us to be it allows us to have a global presence not just a national presence and the thing that a lot of people don't realize about that product and those products not only is it is it useful for your body and it it just takes you if you are a person who is education driven and science and data driven it's a pro it's it's a it's a no-brainer um i always tell people thc blackmar farms um that's a cultural um work that's a cultural brand right and that's a um lifestyle kind of you know bridge the gap but if you're really being intentional what we did in phoenix and what we were able to achieve with research with hemp and hempcrete and hemp fiberboard siding and hemp biofuel um, we were able to achieve a lot and now 
I've I've gone back to that. Um, just on the research and development side, I'm currently writing a program for the government in Zimbabwe on carbon uh, carbon sequestration, utilizing hemp with hectares of fields of industrial hemp um, and creating industrial byproducts, and then taking uh, biodynamic farming and creating uh, a whole nother realm of using CBD in the African nations on continent as a way to increase their GDP with natural resources and finished goods, right? Yes. Um, yes so when you talk about Phoenix and um, yes. yes, it was a lost leader for a lot of us, but I think um, we got caught up in the hype of THC. Um, I never chased the dollars. I've been in this industry since 2016. So I've seen a lot. Mm, um, yeah, I've worked, I've worked for three powerhouses in the industry and consulted for several. And really, um, what what really makes us excited here um, with our brands is that we really are understanding that we're really bridging the gap and we're connecting the culture back to the community and the culture of cannabis and not just cannabis, the plant, right? Because we can talk about its sister and hemp and we can talk about, you know, using using um, cannabis uh, or, or, you know, as the government calls it, marijuana programs. But we're doing an amazing job of, of bringing it all back together uh, under one roof. Matter of fact, yesterday I made the announcement internally uh, that we are probably going to launch a uh, nano energy type uh, CBD nano drink instead of it being an energy drink, a nano calming drink, right? Um, you know, in the low shoulder round boy, uh, five hour energy drink, two two milliliters of of elixir, mm-hmm. and we'll also offer a three point five milliliter elixir. Uh, that will be in the Blitz line, and then we're going to do it in the Blackmar line with THC, right? Mm-hmm. But why can we do it with the Blitz line? Because Blitz, we already have the traction with Blitz, right? Um, I always said if 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 we had the millions of dollars to put in marketing, our relief rub is probably the best relief rub anybody's ever used. Oh my gosh, that's that's where that's where I think the home run is in CBD is is those the the uh, topical the mm-hmm. for the neuropathy or the the rub that you're talking about. I've heard that's where I keep hearing the testimonials. Yeah, like our skincare products are amazing. Uh, my wife and Nadine use them. Uh, we have people who use them out outside. Uh, small catalog of of customers, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I believe in this. Um, I've worked in um, in medical technology, uh, utilizing my background in, in medicine, um, and I've watched young kids struggle with epilepsy. Um, I built one of the first epilepsy uh, pediatric ep- epilepsy labs in New York State for Dr. Samuel Kozer um, back in uh, 2006, 2007, um, and now one of our partners sons was one of the kids who went through that program uh and and had no idea that i built that and we started talking and his son now uses epidiolic because i said look it's i don't think that medicine made in a plant can compete with plant-based medicine Mm -hmm. and he heard me he just needed to go through the rigors of the doctor um his son has been seizure free for three years now you know and it's just we know that it works the government knows that it works I know. Uh, we've treated folks uh, my mother was beating cancer believe it or not until she stopped medicating with 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 thc um it just got to a point where she couldn't um and she didn't she didn't like the taste of of the RSO, and you know she went back off of her diet. But when she was on her diet, I mean, my mother took my daughter sleigh riding. I never went sleigh riding with my mother. I can count on one hand, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Here, here, here she is, you know, a year away from passing away, and she was doing all these amazing things and traveling. And you know, when my mother came home from Florida, 
we planned a funeral. And then I said to my sister, we can't let this happen. And my sister was like, you know, you make these products. So we treated her and we treated um, one of our best friends. And, and it's funny, my mother and one of our childhood best friends died a day apart from cancer. And they both got off of their diets and stopped medicating. And within six months, they passed away from the chemo. I had no idea that you had all this medical background, you know, like. I graduated from, from the University of Buffalo. I attended, um, at the time it was called Miller Fillmore Medical College at the university. Um, and then I went on to play sports and, and got away from it, but went back to it years later. Um, my degree is in, in biology and medical sciences. So, wow. so, so you really are rooted in that. Yeah. Okay. So that's where my, that's where my, my brain gets all of its fuel. Um, but Blackmar Farms really started out during the pandemic. We were looking at essential businesses. I thought it was time for us to get into plant touching. We went out to Michigan. Um, uh, you know, I'll paraphrase, keep it short. We part, um, I invested a couple dollars with a, um, minority group that was looking to transition from the caregiver model to the adult use model. Um, they had no clue on how to even run a facility. They were just legacy growers that had caregiver aspirations. Yeah. Um, so we, we wrote SOPs. I went out, we developed uh, and built a, a little facility. Uh, I say little, it's a 28,000 square foot grow facility with three rooms. And, you know, we, we started pumping out cannabis and started growing for other brands um, under NDA for, but we grew for some prominent brands, some great product. Um, and then we got into genetics out there and I started looking at creating what I considered the purest plant, which when you look at all the metals in the world, right, platinum is supposed to be the purest. So we, we created a product called Pure Platinum and it just kind of like took off out there. And, um, you know, we struggled the pandemic. We, we went through it. We, we lost crop. We went through um, viral latent hop like everybody else. Um, and then we really just kind of like small scaled, got rid of a bunch of folks. And I started looking at Blackmar Farms again as something very different. Um, I wanted this brand to be representation of where I came from, right? And and all of the great things, playing pro sports, going to medical school, going to business school, I still always supplemented my income in, in the legacy market. I always had a foot in the legacy market. Um, we, we moved a lot of cannabis back in the day from various states out west to New York and to Massachusetts um, and Philly. And we kind of like really, I, I just went back to that, right? And when I created the brand Blackmar Farms, I didn't think that it was gonna be what it is today. I knew what Blackmar, that's kind of a play on the black market. It's mm -hmm. kind of a play on the, on the black sea. The word black, B-L-A-K, just represents, you know, the world without currency, C. So like, you know, it's just for us, it's just, oh, mm -hmm. it, it's how we move, right? And, and, and the story of Blackmar Farms really became, took on a life of its own. And, and I really said, it has to be a brand that stands on a platform. I can't be a brand and nothing against cookies and nothing against all these other big prominent brands that started with legacy guys. Um, we are a brand of values. We're a brand of moral and virtue. I'm not saying that they're not, I, please don't mis misunderstand yeah. that yeah. Um, because I believe what they're doing, what those guys have built is the model of what success looks like coming from that world. Right. But, but for us, we, we're more, we are more intentional about, um, you know, uplifting the community, right? And and we say elevate the culture. Um, we I created this whole campaign this year um, around the launch. So we're launching in Michigan. 
We're intentionally not launching in New York. We explored it. Uh, the products, the, the base product, the flour, and that's what we're known for, isn't there yet. Um, and I don't believe you can achieve what we've been able to achieve in outdoor and or greenhouse, unless it's fully automated greenhouse. And it just, I don't think the market's mature enough yet. And I'm okay with not being first in market because first in market brings a lot of issues. We've done that. We've done that with our CBD cosmetics. No one was doing this, right? With CBD cosmetics, no one. And when, when, when we, we had so many difficulties educating people, and that's why I always say we we're two years early, because now if I were to go to Sephora, which I did then and sit with Sephora, they would buy that entire line and put it out because the education around CBD and the buzz around CBD has normalized and stabilized. It wasn't the valleys and the peaks anymore. Well, I see what you're saying to get us to the educate, get the consumer in New York to the, the to this point. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, we have. So again, I like I said earlier, um, when we were off interview, I said, you know, we did a disservice by squandering two years of an opportunity while we're waiting to get this marketplace up in, in, in educating a consumer. Because again, educated consumers make for a sophisticated marketplace. So we look at taking Blackmar Farms into uh, one or two situations, emerging economies and emerging markets, which is international play. And then stateside and domestic nationally, we look at going into mature markets that have two to three years of stability where we know that we can penetrate because most brands can't talk to the demographic that we can talk to. So we started this campaign this year and I said, you know, if you have these people run around and, and I support it, buy weed, buy weed from women, um, the Etain women, uh, that Etain group has supported me and my drive and, and our company. Uh, everything that we do, they sponsor us. Um, no questions asked. It's like, yes, Ruben, we're going to sponsor you. It's just a matter of how much. And yes, we'll be there with a team to support you. Yeah. And that's how it's been from the very beginning with them. So I don't want to knock them, but the buy weed from women thing is, is great. But what about buying weed from brothers like you used to, right? Everyone had a guy that they cop weed from. And then nine times out of 10 was someone who looked like me, mm -hmm. right? And so we went back to that this year. And, and then we started talking about elevating the culture, right? So I started looking at the 50th anniversary of hip hop. What a great year to take a brand and launch a brand and marry a brand with music. So we have some, we have some music artists that we work with that are brand ambassadors um, some underground guys that we're, we're, we're taking this to the next level, right? And, you know, next year, there's some talk already about doing a Blackmar Farms music festival in Michigan. Um, so it's, it's really, yeah, it's really. They're big on that there. They're big yeah. on that there, right? Take, yeah. yeah. It's taken on a life of its own. And, you know, we've brought in a guy by the name of Amir Stein to run the Blackmar Farms music side of it um who who worked with eminem and and rock him and you know he's worked with the biggest names in the industry um one of the other exciting things is we're working with terrasend in michigan to um put our product in 10 of their stores we're going to be in 29 stores uh, by the first of the year in michigan so think about a young brand in 29 stores with five SKUs, right? Five solid SKUs. Um, everything that we've done in building our brand, our packaging, um, that's that's my home run. I, people always say to me, Ruben, how'd you come up with the logos? How'd you come up with, I create all that. Mm -hmm. I don't hire anyone. Um, I may hire somebody to clean it up and get it graphic wise, mm -hmm. but like the concept of it is all me even the packaging, right? So if you look at our website, you get a sneak peek at our packaging. Um, our our gummies come in a tin um, and not Mylar. Not, not, none of our product will come in Mylar, none of it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the only thing that will come in Mylar, excuse me, is in the states where we can do ounces because I just don't have a package designed yet for an ounce. But um, all of our all of our product comes in in sustainable packaging, right? Again, you can't have you can't be kind to the plant if you're not kind to the planet, right? So like we we understand this. So our our jars are glass jars. Our lids are biodegradable lids, right? Um, our our packaging on our outer boxes is made of recycled material. Um, while that drives up the cost, That's I'd a- rather I'd rather lose margin, right, and have uh, be a, a brand of principle than a brand that's chasing margin and bottom line, because that's really what I do. Yeah, brand of principle, and 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 it's also very authentic. Like you, you designing all this, it's really it's coming from within you, and it's be it's becoming very authentic. Uh, yeah, and we listen. We have an for a small little company. We have an amazing team, right? And and shout out to 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 my buddy Brian Kalodny because I just literally like bah, threw it up on him and said, <laughs> figure it out, right? And and he really ran with it, um, and and saw my vision and like even our our pre rolled our pre rolled joints come in a slide box, um. The box is branded very uniquely. You're not going to find anything like that on the market. The closest thing is Lowell Farms. We we are we have matchsticks in there. We're working with um, another one of the companies that we're working with is Blazy Susan because Blazy fits exactly what we talk about, right? And when I think about my mother and the legacy of my mother, even the accent color purple. I see it behind you. The accent color purple was my mother's favorite color. Mm. I knew that, put that into the packaging, right? Mm -hmm. So our accent color is purple. Mm -hmm. Um, Our first strain that we're coming out with is purple haze, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, we've brought back purple haze. We spent, we spent two years looking for the genetics to get it right. Um, Two years. Wow. Yeah. We've worked really hard to get our genetics down. Um, Blackmar has has a another division called Blackmar Genetics, where we just provided um, really some of the best New York uh, heirloom genetics that there are. Um, we delivered them to a farm. What are they? What are what are like the classic New? York- so it's so we have like back to the OG, all the OG class, um, all the skunk stuff, um, and it's really the the more when we talk about heirloom genetics, like these plants have to be um, bred in New York to, to, to have the, the, the viability in the New York climate, you know, and with, even with all this water and rain that we've been getting here in the New York market, um, our client who bought our plants said, my babies are thriving. You guys hit a home run, you know, he's lost a few, but, you know, out of 500 plants, um, to lose a few out of 500. Yeah. I don't know usually, but yeah. yeah. Well, you lose, you lose, you figure you lose about 20%. Mm. He's well under 20% and stoked, you know, they're growing. Um, you know, they made a few mistakes on their end, but again, like, so Blackmar genetics is just a, a piece of it. And it's unfortunate because, um, burner beat me to it because he's going with burner genetics, right? They're going with cookie genetics, but we had this concept well before we even heard, uh, burner talk about actually burner. And I talked about it at MJ BizCon last year. Um, and we both laughed and I said, Oh, I'm working on, you know, very similar things, similar path. I hope you don't think I'm copying it. You know, Uh he gave me a great compliment and said, you know, I had one of the greatest minds in the industry. So it's like, Uh you know, being able to, to really show the world what we're doing with Blackmar. Now, the other thing with Blackmar is a percentage of our proceeds go to uplifting each community that we're in. So in the Michigan market, you know, my focus is to give back and and help revitalize that John R um, community. Um, And it's, it's, you know, the old Hitstown community where Motown was. 
you know, mm. uh, in when we get back here in New York, it's going to be to uplift uh, communities like Sullivan County, um, Ellenville, um, Troy, Schenectady, you know, really, really want to get back into those communities and be in those dispensaries and and give back to those communities. What a great idea, because those little towns, you know, those little main streets are just run down and, you know, would be. And believe it, or, believe it or not, that people don't realize this, those communities became trap communities because they were part of the welfare system. Right. So they started taking people. It's again, socioeconomics, current events right? The history repeats itself. So we had these migrants come here, we're shipping them all over. It was the same thing when they started closing down these housing projects, right? And building up the Barclays centers and, and these, mm -hmm. you know, um, going through gentrification and what, yeah. you know, they call uh, neighborhood diversification. We call that pushing out the poor black folks, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> understanding where did they send them they sent them to these communities and then the other side of the coin is they built these communities around prison communities right so if someone was going to do a long stretch of time and they were in eastern correctional facility they typically stayed in that prison for 10 15 20 years so what happens is the family moves closer they had that conjugal program. The, the the wife would get pregnant and have a baby and raise a kids raised in prison community. I know all too well about that. I didn't do that much time. I did time, but I, I know how the system worked. And I know I what the know that. I didn't know that. Wow, that's interesting. So, these, so you have these pockets of poor communities around these prisons in these prison towns. Well, look, if we're really going to eradicate uh, the stigma, and we're really going to talk about um, equity and 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 socioeconomics. Then let's go back to those communities. Let's create education programs. Let's get back to teaching people about uh, sustainable farming. Let's talk about utilizing the plant as a segue into getting people's hands back in the dirt. You know, because again, without we talk about this all the time, 40 acres in a mule, reparations. This isn't a reparations program. This is a restoration program globally, right? Yeah. This restoring, restoring this back into society in a way. So look, the only way you can have generational wealth is if you own land and property. Mm -hmm. without, without that, you have nothing, right? So that's kind of our our emphasis. And last night I was on the phone for a few hours with one of my brothers talking about this stuff. But this is what it is. And this is this is Blackmar Farms, right? So when people people talk about, well, what's Blackmar Farms? What's Urban Couture? That's what we are, right? And and people want to experience Urban Couture. Uh, we have an event. We do an annual event. Uh, this is under the Blackmar umbrella. We do um, a, a luxury networking gala. We bring about 150 to 200 people in. Uh, we feed you outstanding meal, um, infused and non-infused, um, and you get to network with 200 people who are like-minded, who want to do business, investors, bankers, lawyers, accountants, um, business owners, lighting companies, you know, you name it, we have them in the room. And you can spend time with these folks and, and sit down and have a great meal. We we give away awards. Uh, this year we're we're giving away three awards again. Excuse me. We call them the Herbies, mm -hmm. and and I give out an award to uh, we as a as a committee and a team select the people that we think are most deserving in the industry who aren't the normal people getting their flowers, right? So we go out this year. We're we're honoring Roz McCarthy from um, Black Buddha and Medical Mar Minorities Medical Marijuana, uh, Antoine Mordekin of, uh, of Black Native uh, Cultivation in Alabama. You know, his house burnt down. He was denied the license twice. Uh, they raided his farm, all in Alabama, right? So Alabama imagine sounds like it's a mess too. I haven't yeah, been watching too closely, but. 
it's scary. And then, and yeah, then we have, that's scary. We have, that's really scary. And then we have Brendan Robinson, who's actually, you know, he and I started our relationship out on a, on a LinkedIn beef, right? We were ah. back and forth about a topic. <laughs> and then I sent him a private message and said, this isn't how we should be portraying ourselves. Mm. I understand, you know, and we built a brotherhood and an affinity and a genuine love for what we do. Um, and it was just two spirited guys having conversation. It wasn't anything nefarious, mm -hmm. but I've watched him for the last two years through education, build an education program, go out and educate folks, putting aside, chasing the big dollars, putting aside, you know, all of those things. And then he just launched his brand and, you know, he's doing a, a sauce, uh, terpene sauce. Oh. And, and I just think like, look, it's, it's amazing to watch these folks. And, and I mentored uh, one of them and the other one, Roz McCarthy and I were the only two black people, executive style people at, um, at the Northwest Cannabis Conference, mm. right? So it's like, really? And this was in 2018. Oh, wow. And then, and then Roz and I were the only ones at the Lyft Conference and, we started seeing each other and I, I I went up to her and I was like, well, we're just going to tell people we're brother and sister. <laughs> you know, we just started laughing and we started, <laughs> Roz and I started a program and, and she just mentioned it the other day. It, it's called um, lunch with the CEO. And we would go to these cities and we would basically find homeless people, whatever, Whoever would engage us in a conversation, we'd say, hey, what are you doing for lunch? And then we'd take them to a restaurant and sit down and have lunch, legit. And I was doing it with like- Oh my God. That, wait, is that was that filmed? Was it um, filmed? No, I, you know, it's funny. I wish we had that filmed. Yeah. But that was during a time where I really just wanted to fly under the radar because I was the CEO of, a, of another company that was getting a lot of attention. Mm. Um, but I did it because I felt like we- I didn't do enough mentoring and believe it or not, one of my, one of the guys I did it with was this guy, Dari, um, Dari Arrington and Dari was holding a sign out in front of the Sacramento or the um, Golden State Warriors practice facility where we were in a conference in that hotel. And it said, just a kid from Chicago trying to live his dream. Give me a shot. And being an athlete, you know, I walked by him. And I turned around and I said, hey, let me expose you to something. How old are you? So we started talking. I took him into the uh, conference. I got him a pass, took him into the conference, took him out for lunch. I said, just leave your stuff out here. Is anybody going to steal it? Not realizing we're in downtown Oakland, right? <laughs> I got to bring it in. So he's lugging all this stuff. I said, you sleep oh. out here in the street? He oh. was like, "Ew." He was like, I came from Chicago. I'm trying to prove a point. He ended up getting a workout with them just because it made national media. Like I introduced him to folks at ESPN. He did a couple uh, radio shows, but um, I mentor this young man. And now he has one of the best educational creative programs uh, in the country utilizing basketball. And it all started with lunch with a CEO. Just uh, oh my gosh, that's amazing! So and, and all and, you have to do is people need a chance, an opportunity. And it's funny because he never asked us for a dime. Mm -hmm. He just needed somebody to believe in him, and we went through it. So, like I, I know you know one of the things that we were going to talk about is my mentoring program. Yes, yes, yes. And that's how, that's that program, right? So like Roz and I really embraced it. And then I took it a whole nother level, right? And um, I started, I, 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 I think I put a post out or something. And I said, if somebody needs a mentor, reach out to me because I had a mentor. My mentor, Tom McKiernan, um, was amazing. He was an oil tycoon. He was big money guy who lost everything because he had a problem drinking, you know? Mm. And then, you know, I, 
I he I became a mentee of his uh, later in his life. And Tom is in the cannabis space. I actually brought Tom in as a CFO of a company when I was the CEO of uh, someone else's company. Oh my gosh. Because I was a young CEO and I needed a CEO who could guide me. Mm. And, and he really did. And he and I talk all the time. We, we still meet for lunch. But I said to Tom, if you didn't mentor me, I wouldn't, ha- I had this drive I just wouldn't know how to channel it. I yes. wouldn't know how to do it. I needed a mentor for my teen entrepreneur boot camp. I really did. I needed a mentor and I was looking for one. I yeah. could have taken that program. I could have. I just needed a mentor and I didn't know how to do it. I mean, and I it, didn't know how to take it to the next level. And that's part of the issue, right? So like in our industry, um, I mentor, um, I have about three mentees now. Uh, one of them, has kind of graduated. Uh, I called him a couple of weeks ago and said, I, I don't hear from you anymore. But that's my thing. Like I set up these meetings with them and I tell them in the first meeting, I'm taking out time out of my day away from my family. You're going to do the same thing. Let's get something out of this. Right. And we've seen amazing things happen. Innovation. We have a young lady who's launching a brand kitchen 42 in New York. Right. She's she's somebody you're definitely going to want to talk to. Oh, yes. I was going to ask you. Okay, Kitchen 42. Okay. Her husband, her husband has created created a company that has these amazing baseball hats. Right. And he's partnered with the biggest name in baseball hats. And it's like to watch this young couple. And I mentored her and took she came to me at my event last year and she was scared to death to talk to me. And she, you're bigger than life. And I said, I'm no celebrity. I grabbed Nadine. I said, sit down, tell me what you need. And we set up a meeting and we've been with her ever since. And now she's like part of the family. She's, she's part of the team. And, you know, these are the things that, this is the reason why I do it. Because I feel like, especially in a minority sense, we don't ask for help. And when we do ask for help, we're not given the right type of attention and help and working as a mentor um, really has shown me a lot. And and my business partner, Dr. Dorsey really lives that like he has mentees and he has about 20 of them. And I'm like, how do you do it? And he was like, you just, you give back and you do it now he's retired so Mm -hmm. he can do it a little bit more. But like for us, um, I even basically turn them over to Nadine. And I say, hey, Nadine. So she has an experience in doing mentorship because our Nadine and I's relationship started out as a trial and error. And I found, you know, probably the best employee I could have ever found. But like working with her and and watching her mentor this young lady now, they'll get on the phone and Nadine will walk her through pieces or sit in on the mentoring meetings and say, well, what about this? What about that? And it just, it, it that's how you foster community, right? So again, back to Black Marvel, uplifting communities. This is what we're talking about, you know? Um, and, and, you know, we don't do it. I'd never do it looking to get anything out of anyone. And I tell my mentees every single time, thank you, because I've learned something today. I learned something new every single time from one of them more than they probably learned from me, believe it or not, because they just know it. They're just looking for edification. Sometimes we give them good information and sometimes it's just, they need a sounding board and we kind of walk through things. That's, that's Ruben. That's who I am. Um, it more of me comes out. I think um, people feel like, I just, I'm one of, like, I'm really negative about the the cannabis industry in New York. It's not that I'm negative. It's just that I've been in this long enough to know that there is a right and a wrong way to do it. And we're definitely not doing it the right way. And I applaud them for trying to do it a different way. I know, I know, yeah. But Michelin Tire does not reinvent the tire when they come up with a better tire. They Mm -hmm. started with the tire. Right. right. We start with the tire. We had 
11 other programs that preceded us to show us what to do and what not to do. And we were like, we can't screw it up any worse than LA did. Hold my beer. We can't yeah. screw it up any worse than, than Nevada did. Hold my tequila, right? It's like, no, put that down and pick up a joint and collaborate and be like, hey, what did you guys do that failed? And what do we, the egos in the room up there are bigger than Wall Street. That's all I have to say. That is so disappointing. Oh, that is so disappointing. But so what is your plan? I know. So you're going to just, you, are you going for the October 4th, submitting an application? You know, I'm not. You're not. So you're just going to wait. You're just yeah, going to because we don't need it. We don't, I don't need a license in any jurisdiction to do what I do as a brand. Um, I will find, oh. I will find partner farms and. Okay. And, that's what you're going to do. And, okay. and eventually give them our genetics and allow them to grow our genetics and process. But right now, for us, because it makes it easier to launch a brand, um, I'm going to give away a little bit of the secret sauce here, but launching a brand, you want to find a single source supplier, which means I need to have somebody who's vertically integrated, creating our products, um, growing our flour, um, producing our oils, producing our vapes, uh, producing our, our energy shooters, you know, our, our, our elixirs um, and our gummies. Right. Um, we found the best gummy manufacturer setup company probably in the I've net I've been in this a long time. They were underneath our nose the whole time. They're in Massachusetts. It's an amazing company. And um, you know, we we've partnered with them and we're gonna use their product to make our gummies wherever we are. And everybody knows that if you if you're gonna do the black Blackmar brand, it comes along with this company and this setup and you have to use it either we buy it or you buy it but believe me after we buy it and you use it you're going to want to use it for everyone you know is, it, is that, it because of their the texture i mean because obviously you have to it's the texture and the yeah, pectin. yeah. we we use pectin it's not just it's not just the pectin it's the taste it's mm -hmm. the flavor profiles their food scientist is amazing. We were in the office with her and she was creating root beer flavor, sriracha flavor. Like this young lady was amazing. And, you know, I can call her and say, hey, I want a uh, blackberry, raspberry, you know, blackberry mustard. Mm -hmm. And she'll create it. And it'll taste just like that. So you just bring her, their her her flavor profile to say for New York, whatever processor is doing that, and then they add it into. And it's a little bit. It's a little bit more. It's a whole. So they their setup, their pectin, their the actual edible piece, the pectin, is a ninety percent finished product. All they have to do is put it in a mold and inject it and set it. Oh. And sugar, you either sugar dust it or not, right? <laughs> The other beautiful thing is it's a hundred percent vegan. Like here we are again, right? Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. Shaking up, we're shaking up the world. We've been vegan gummies. Uh, we've been vegan gummies since 2019 on our CBD side. Um, we've been flirting with going full plant-based everything with every product except for our relief rub because we need the menthol. But we, we are even looking at using a spearmint or ragweed mint, ragweed mint um, as our expressing agent. Um, again, we're a company that looks outside the lines. We use emu oil, real emu oil in our relief rub. No one else uses emu oil in their relief rub. Real emu oil. That's why we're a little bit more of an expensive product. Literally, you have a swollen anything on your body with our relief rub. You rub it on. You can watch the swelling go down. We've given it to orthopedic surgeons. I had hip replacement surgery this year. I didn't use opioid, not once. I treated myself with cannabis and CBD. What? I was That's insane. I had hip surgery on a Wednesday. I was back in the office on Monday. I've seen, I've seen someone with hip surgery. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I swear it was our products and THC. Yeah. Well, I they say THC it. is the, the, the catalyst, I guess, in the, as far as like the medicine, the real medicine in 
Right. Um, but do you believe in your gummies? Do you just do you do distillate or are you doing rosin or? So in our gummies in our gummies that are going to be in the Blackmar line, they're they are going to be rosin. Um, in our our gummies that are in the CBD, they're nano infused distillate. Mm -hmm. So it's nano encapsulated yeah. distillate. Right, pure CBD and nano. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, okay. Um, besides the market's not ready, you're saying the farm, the cultivation processes or whatever is just not ready for wanting you to come in. But you're not, not going to even come in as a as a licensee. You're going to just no. Yeah, we're, so we're gonna be a brand. But as far but, as the new, you know, the being a new market, everybody always says, oh, they're not going to get it right for a couple of years. I've heard other people say that. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like uh, it's going to be, a, believe it or not, 2025. Okay. Be, and, and what, why is this just for them to get the, get the system, you know, to, to work the plants, get know it. It's just. Yeah, we didn't. So here's the funny thing. Right. I'll equate it to sports again. We didn't stumble out of the starting blocks. We fell on our face on the starting blocks and we fall started. So now we got to start again with a bloody nose. Right. <laughs> yeah. in your eye. right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a little bit difficult. Yeah. But look, for what it's worth, we're out of the starting blocks. I just don't feel like for my brand, it makes sense to go in to a marketplace where I'm, I, I know that the product, the production of products, not because of the fault of the farmers, but because of the regulatory restrictions, isn't where we need it to be. Oh. Once they review the regulatory restrictions or lift some of this with this ingrown cannabis, um, our, our base product is always flour. We'll be in a better place and we'll be more inclined to come in when we can get that better quality product because the product has to be that quality and consistency for my brand. And I'm only talking about my brand. Right? Yeah, right. That's um, your. I'm not talking about how people, what people should be consuming. I'm saying for my brand and the ethos of our brand, we were a flour based company, hence the logo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like we we understand that quality flour, a bud has to be a bud in jar one or jar 5000 yeah. has to be right. We can't have it any other way. And with what we're seeing. A bud could be a bud, B bud, a bud, a, a bud, <laughs> but it's never a bud consistent. Oh. Right, and I've bought lots of product in the last several months, um, and and also have ha so has Brian, and we've really looked at it in a way so that we can determine whether or not it's worth it for us, and it's just not there. We're we're you know, and we will be here when it when the time is right to be here, and we'll be here in a big way in New York because this is where we're from. Yeah, right. You're you're here. You see what's going on. You'll know when it's ready to come in. And yeah. is there, so the so is there a farm or can you reveal uh, a farm that you might want to work with when you step in? Are you eyeing a certain farm or are you still looking? Can't say. <laughs> of course I you can't. Can. Okay. You know we 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 have a farm that you're looking at. <laughs> that if things go the right way will be the farm that we outsource all of our our grow to but um no just to answer your question and i will get to that in our closing but like just to get to you know your your point is highlighting these i can't thank you enough um but like i want for these other brands to get the recognition and have conversation like like adirondack like um ananda like I, I try to be intentional. There are some guys coming online out of Albany, um, out of the Black Growers Consortium that are going to have some really slick brands. Um, so those guys are just coming. They're waiting for the October licenses. They're legacy guys that have all I, I've worked with all of them that are all transitioning over into the legal space. 
um, micro businesses and cultivation. Oh, I would love to know like what they're doing, like to, just to get a hold of some really good product and yeah. you know, just, yeah, I, anybody you want to send my way, definitely. I'm, this is what I'm doing right now. Um, okay. What, what, how do you feel about, um, and I see a lot of uh, big MSOs doing this, which I think maybe they could do us a favor here and, and is they're working with a lot of legacy growers partnering uh to be i don't want to like i guess they're head growers but to you know bring in those those genetics and the yeah. growing techniques and uh, do you think that's working i mean i think that's a good thing if they could do it so so this all started after january and this is why it started um I, i'll take a lot of credit for that oh. i was on stage at mj bizcon i was on stage with uh wana uh, with nancy whitman uh, Toy Hutchinson, Troy Datcher from the parent company, which is Jay-Z's company, um, and Peter Caldini from um, Acreage Holdings, former CEO of Acreage. And I said to them, five years ago, we would have sat on this stage, we would walk out of here and all be arrested for conspiracy. I said, now we're able to talk about this and it's no longer about competition. It's no longer, we need to have collaboration and the small brands need you big guys to lean on us small guys because we have what you don't have, which is the ear to the street. No offense to those big brands. They grow, they grow what I call hamburger meat. It's good for everybody, mm -hmm. right? Some of them have sirloin. What we grow in the craft industry is Wagyu beef, mm. right? We grow, we grow <laughs> F5 Wagyu. We grow, we grow the stuff that the the kind the weed connoisseurs want. If you want to sell to those weed connoisseurs and you want high sh top shelf product, you need to collaborate. Why? Because the guy who can grow to scale to meet bottom line is not the same guy that can grow at scale to meet consumer connoisseur tastes, right? So there's two separate worlds there. And, you know, having that conversation with these guys um, on stage in front of 4,000 people, you know, the place erupted when I said that. I was going to say, I bet the light bulb went off. And it, it, it's how I felt from the very beginning when I was with SunGrown Zero and, and other companies out of Canada and I consulted for a couple of the big boys and I, I said, well, why aren't we, why aren't we collaborating? And oh no, you can't collaborate. Well, that's where this whole rift came between MSOs, big corporate dollars and legacy folks and small market folks, right? we have to get away from in this industry away from the threat of competition and start thinking about the spirit of collaboration and so so do i think that it can work absolutely do i think that it will work it will only work when both parties come together clean slate no agenda only to serve the people right serve the public right i can't worry about um, I can't worry about the parent co and Troy Datcher's bottom line mm -mm. because I don't have, I don't have Troy Datcher's money. They have $675 million. I don't have that. Right. So I have to build within my sphere, but if they allow me to collaborate with them and you see it happen in other industries where it really happened was in the cigar world. So prior to, to, cannabis i was in the cigar industry and you know in the cigar industry you have the big cigar guys working with the little grower and roller the little roller and they created a, a they create a cigar and it's like co-branded cigar right that's really big aj fernandez and um you know whomever right Just, you yeah. name it but i'll tell you the where that really happened the number one cigar in the world outside of the, the best Cuban that you could get is a cigar made by a company by Fuente, 
in the J.C. Newman factory, which J.C. Newman was a corporate, and and Fuente was a little guy. And they came together in 1992 and created a cigar called the Opus X. And he was making the Opus X, the little guy, was making it for years. Mm-hmm. He just didn't have the marketing power to get that out. They collaborated. It's the cigar of the year. It's the If you get an Opus X as a cigar guy, like, and you get an Opus X 1992 to 1994 in your humidor, it's it's probably worth $200 for a $20 cigar, right? That's what I'm talking about in this industry, right? So why couldn't Blackmar Farms create uh, Pure Platinum or Northern Lights and put it out and get it distributed through Terrascent? This is why I'm working with Jason. Oh, right. This is this is the collaboration. What you're doing. This is the collaboration. We live it, right? Um, We'll be in those Terrasen stores. Although this model is a little different right now in Michigan because we have the relationship in Michigan. But when we go to Maryland, it'll be produced in Maryland by his team, right? When we go to Pennsylvania, it'll be produced by his team. And that's just not just Terrasen. We're looking to do this with other multi-state operators as the model, right? Yes, and, yes. And, oh my and god! And I've shared, I've shared this with guys, and said, let's get away from the spirit of competition, especially ever so prevalent in the card uh, program right now, and these adult use cultivators. They have to get away from feeling like Ananda Farms is competing with Adirondack. No, it's terrible, terrible. I tell people all the time, me and my partner use this analogy. You think Wonder Bread gives a damn what Fryhoffers is doing? You <laughs> think he next cares what Cottonelle is doing? Really? They don't look at Cottonelle's numbers and say, you know, they might say we got to get our sales up, but they're not like threatened by it, right? Yeah, no, That's no. Where we have to be. Look at down, look at, look at, uh, I'll give you a great example. If you ever look at Procter and Gamble as a company and look at their brands under Procter and Gamble, it would blow your mind. They're right on the shelves next to each other. Oh yeah. Right, 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 right. Hmm. This is, this is coexisting. Mm -hmm. This is what creating an industry is about, right? Ferrari doesn't care what Ford's doing. If you're a craft guy and you want to build a car that is for the masses or you want to build weed that's for the masses, you got to work with somebody like a, like a Ford who has the distribution power yes. and the money to get it out there. I know. I feel like, you know, I, I, you know, I understand the threat of the MSOs and big corporate, but we also need them, like you're saying. And if we could all work together and I love I, it's so great I, 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 that you're that you have this partnership with Terrasen because I've been really hearing about it and thinking about it. Like I know Alien Nine is now with True Leave and look at the success they're having. And I thought I heard of someone else. Now I'm hearing of you. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To, I mean, I would be like that if I was an MSO. To me, it would make a lot of sense. So, but the thing is, the MS. I think the MSOs get a little bit of a bad rap. I think you're right. They're a necessary evil. But I also feel like the MSOs need to now do more in the community. Yes. They need to be more community-centric. They they need to get away from the model of the, of the uh, Cobalt Road model, which is the African model, which is these people go in and they pillage these communities oh. and they take the resources and the money leaves the community, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yes. No, no, no. If, if if you have something going on in my community, let the money stay here. I understand you have to answer to a bigger core, but designate a certain percentage of this money and, and reinvest it in the communities. Reinvest it in, these, in these other programs that help get people into the industry. That's the only way that when this, fe- when federal legalization happens, I'll be honest with you, none of those big MSOs can even compete with big pharma. None of us can compete with what's looming around the corner, right? So instead of trying to fight for scraps now, let's come together and build something that can compete 
when the real competition happens. This is the minor leagues. And if you don't believe me, just ask anybody in Canada what happens when big pharma gets into cannabis. What happens when, when Shoppers Drug Mart becomes a dispensary? What happens to your neighborhood dispensary? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. If we could just navigate this. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, we should just end this. <laughs> Pam, thank you. It was great. Uh, yeah, I got to jump too. But uh, before we go, um, yes. September 23rd yes. at the Wire, Wire Event Center in Cooksaki, New York, we're hosting our third annual Urban Couture Luxury Networking Gala. Um, it is open to the public. The tickets are on sale online at www.urbanherbncotour.com. Um, and, you know, they can just Google Google our event on Eventbrite. Just go to Cannabis Events on Eventbrite and it'll come up. Um, it's a great time, great learning experience. So great to meet you. Wow. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.